Yeah, okay, okay, that's good. Hold on, hold on. Ow! Felix? Felix? Do you just need to reschedule? No, no. Everything's perfect. Everything's great. Yeah. Church face. Hey, what's up, church family? Hey, guys. <sighs> I'm not crying, you're crying about that video. I've seen that video so many times, even before today. And it gets me every time um, because, because I know a lot of those students and truly, just like every single person in here and online has a story, each one of them has a story. And God has a hope and a future for them and for us. And I just love how even as a church family, we can help to push their story forward. That's just so beautiful. And for every single graduate, man, we are for you. I believe the greatest things over your life. And this next season, believe me, I believe this for you, that your next season's gonna be greater than your previous season. Where God has taken you is beautiful. And so your church family is for you, it's for you. Um, also, hey, uh, I, wanna, I wanna give a shout out to everybody who's in the room, um, specifically in the room, not dissing online, but and it's, I'm not giving you a shout out because of mask, I'm giving you a shout out because of gas. And, you know, this was the week that all of the electric car drivers felt validated <laughs> in their decision uh, to overpay for vehicles for years. Um, but uh, no, for real, like, hey, I know this week gas is at a premium, but clearly you put a premium on being here. And so I honor you. I honor you today. For real, for real. Um, hey, so today what we're doing, we're closing out our Church Face series. This is a series where we've basically been in a few weeks of giving God space to come and speak to our identity. And this is so incredibly important because at the end of the day, our identity is the foundation that we live from. And the good news is this, is that God has given you gifts and talents and abilities. He's given you dreams and passions and callings. He has done beautiful things and spoken wonderful things over your lives. And he wants to emancipate that greatness for his glory and your good out in this world. But the problem is this, too many of us at the core of our being do not believe that we are who God says that we are. And therefore, we can't do what God said that we can do, that we're not worthy, we're not able, we're not good enough. And so we end up living really small lives. We end up settling into condemnation. We end up in broken life cycles. And the reality is we come in here, many of us, too many of us, on a Sunday morning with a church face on. And we act like everything's fine when it's really not fine. And I'm not talking about 11 o'clock. I, I, I know how we feel, right, on Sunday morning. I know, come on now, when you get in here, the, the, the worship team's going, right? The message is happening, the vibe's in the room, the vibe, like you're feeling it online. But what happens by Monday afternoon? That's what I'm talking about. Come on, like Monday afternoon on your way home from work, and it feels like all the good things you got on Sunday have leaked. Right, I'm not talking about Sunday morning. I'm not, I'm, when you're high, like I'm talking about like it's Friday night, 9 p.m. when hashtag, like the struggle is real and, and, and like FOMO is in full effect. Like you feel like everybody else is having a good time except for you, you're checking the gram. Everybody's at parties. Everybody got invited except for you because nobody loves you. You're not good enough. God doesn't even, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And so what we've been talking about throughout the course of the series is a handful of deep core realities. Here's the first one. We talked about the fact that I am human. 
which means that I'm not God, and so God is my helper. We talked about I am restored. Remember, this is when Jesus came alongside of Peter, and he picked him up. Even though a righteous man falls seven times, come on, with God's help, he gets back up every single time. We talked about the fact that I am a child of God. Therefore, I am a recipient of every good thing that comes with being God's kid. That's amazing. We talked about the fact that I am wanted and I am loved, that God wants me and God loves me even if nobody else does. We talked about I am free. In other words, I am free to be who God created me to be because I'm not living for everybody else because God already smiles on my life. And where we're landing today is this idea that I am secure because here's the idea, guys, is that God doesn't just want us to believe those things in here God wants us to carry that identity out there. God doesn't just want you to have really good Sunday mornings and really terrible Monday through Saturdays, right? God wants there to be a sticky factor when we leave here because the truth is this. We hear amazing things Sunday mornings. We got the church face on on Sunday mornings, but you gotta go back out there into the mess. And what happens when you leave here and you go back into a loveless marriage? What happens when you leave here and you go back to an empty house and it's just you? Listen, when the worship team's not there, right? When you go back into a thankless job, when you stumble again in sin on Tuesday night, like how do you feel then? Is the identity still sticking then? Did what you receive on Sunday, is it still sticking then? And here's the question, here's the question, okay? How can I live such a life that I am secure in who I am in God and what he says about me so that even the attacks of the enemy can't throw me off? How do I live such a secure life? How can I, I'd say it like this, how can I take my Sunday morning confidence and my Sunday morning identity and transfer it to Monday through Saturday? How do I do that? Because here's the truth, guys. God doesn't just want us to feel victorious on Sunday. God wants us to carry the victory every single day. God doesn't just want us to attend Victory Church. God wants us to embody victory everywhere that we go so that we wouldn't have to put on a church face, but we would live such a life and we would be so secure and so confident that what you see is what you get. I wouldn't have to put on a church face because I'm living secure that I am who God says that I am. I don't have to put on a face because this is who I am. I am secure in who God says that I am. And in case you got to cut out early, in case you got to click uh, away early, you got to know this. You're in a war. The war is for your identity, but God has given you the weapons to win the war. I'm gonna say it again. You're in a war. The war is for your identity, but God has given you the weapons to win the war. Everybody say, I can win the war. I can win the war. Come on online. I can win the war with God's help, with God on my side. I can win the war. And as is true in every single area of our life with this as well, Jesus is our example. 
Jesus is our example. So a few weeks ago, and when we were talking about wanted and love, we landed in Matthew 3 at Jesus' baptism. And so we're gonna pick up from there and carry it on into chapter four. Here it is. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened. And he, this is John the Baptist, John the Baptist saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on Jesus. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son who I love with him. I am well pleased. How many of you want to hear that from your father? Well, God says it today over your life. God says it today over your life. But the problem is the next word, chapter chapter four, verse one, then. Everybody say then. then. Guys, there's a reality. There is a then in your life. Here's the idea. Jesus couldn't stay in the baptism tank. Come on. When you get baptized, you're like, oh, yeah. Then, then, and the problem is what lies on the other side of the baptism tank many times is a desert. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That is the understatement of the century. He, Jesus was not hungry. He was hungry, Hung, like don't try this at home hungry. Come on, like we fasted before here in the church. Some of you do like a one day. I'm doing a Daniel fast like for 12 minutes, right? Like I fast between lunch and dinner, you know? Um, no, like three days, seven days. No, like in this, all signs actually point to this is a supernatural fast, meaning Jesus did not eat or drink for 40 days. Don't do this or we'll find you dead, all right? This was a God-sanctioned, empowered Fast, and then the tempter came to him and said, if, everybody say if, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, he said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, he said, then throw yourself down for it is written. How many, how, listen, how many of you know the devil knows the Bible? Probably better than you do. But here's the deal. Here's how you always know it's the devil. He takes it out of context. He's gonna try and get you to use a verse to sin with it. Do you know it's possible? You know it's possible to take a Bible out of context and use it to sin. Some people use that to divorce people. Some people use that to, do, to get into trouble. They take verses out of, that's always the devil, taking stuff out of context. But Jesus says once again, it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written. <laughs> it may be written that, but it's also written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you if you just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. Come on, not enough of us put that phrase in our life. Too many of us are running away from the devil when the devil should be running away from you. Amen. Don't get me preaching before it's time to start preaching. And Jesus said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Here's what happens right here. At every single turn, the enemy was saying, listen, he was saying, if you are the son of God, prove it. Prove it. Come on, Jesus. Here's what the devil's saying. I know who you are, but the question is, do you know who you are? 
The devil has no new tricks. The devil's saying this over your life today. I know who you are, but do you know who you are? And the temptation, yeah, there were three temptations, but the temptation behind the temptation was for Jesus, listen, was for Jesus to prove his identity instead of trusting that he was who God says that he was. Because what, what was happening here was at every turn, the devil was saying, if you are where the father had already said you are. Because here's how the devil works. The devil wants you to try to earn what God has already given you. Woohoo! Y'all ain't ready for this. Okay, I'm gonna can come over to this side. Then we're ready on this side. The devil wants you to try to earn what God has already given you. The devil wants you to spend your whole life trying to get your hands around what you already have. This is the idea. This is why we've been saying this over and over and over and over again, is that one of the most important things we could ever do in our lives is live from our identity instead of for our identity. What makes all the difference? Are you living from something you already have or are you trying to attain something? Because this is how the devil works. God has already said you are, but the devil comes right behind it and says, if you are, prove it. Listen, if you ever hear, you're in, you're in prayer, you're walking down the street, you're driving your car, and you hear, if you are, prove it. Us, the devil, every single time. Because the devil wants to get you spending your life trying to earn what God has already given you. What the devil wants to do is instead of you living from your identity forward, what he wants to do is steal your identity, lock it up, so you spend your whole life working for something you already have. And too many of us, listen, too many Christians today are spending their whole lives trying to get something that they already have in Jesus. We're trying to get something we already have. We're working for something instead of from something. And what God wants to put deep down inside us today is that you can live secure. You can live secure in what God says about you. You don't have to wander around this life trying to get something because you already have it in Jesus. And so this is, this is our identity protection message, guys. So here, here's the deal. How do I avoid identity theft? Here's the first thing we gotta do. We gotta be alert. We gotta be alert. We gotta have that, that thing on our, on our laptop that pops up, whoop, 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 like something's happening. Somebody's trying to t come in and steal your identity. Somebody's coming in, he's doing something fishy. If we're gonna live secure in who God says that we are, we have to understand that there is literally a coordinated attack daily against your identity. Listen, it is not just Nigerian princes who are out to get you. <laughs> come on, come on, somebody. Listen, I didn't say all Nigerians. I said Nigerian princes. <laughs> I know we got a lot of Nigerians. They're reality. The Nigerian princes probably aren't even Nigerian princes. It's probably some dude in California, you know what I'm saying, like trying to rip you off. Ephesians 6, 12, here, here, here's the idea, guys. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. The real issue, guys, come on, with our identity, with our downers, with our, with our doubts, with our insecurities, it is not what your husband or your wife said. It is not your body image in the mirror. It is not your grades. It is not your job performance. And it's not what you did in the past. The real issue with the brokenness in our identity in the Monday to Saturday window is the fact that we have a spiritual enemy called the devil. That is actually what's going on. 
And so all the mockers out here, the real problem behind the problem is that in one survey, they found out that 70% of Christians don't even believe that the devil exists. Which is really funny because Jesus talks a whole lot about him. Because Jesus knows him. He's real. And you, here's the deal. It doesn't bother the devil if you pretend like he doesn't exist because he's not ignoring you. You can try and ignore him, but that doesn't mean he's ignoring you. First Peter 5.8 says, be alert. Everybody say, be alert. And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter here, what he says is life, your life. Once you leave here today, it's, a, it's an episode of National Geographic, right? Where the lions, oh, like it's, come on, like it's in the grass. You can just see the eyes right there. And we're naive and we're like, like a little antelope, right? Like this, is because we have an enemy and he's lurking and you might not know he's there, but you better believe that he knows you're there and you are in his sights and he hates you and he hates God and he hates anything that God is trying to do in your life. And there, there are numerous names of the devil in the Bible. Here's a few of them. Try and find the good one. Father of lies, ruler of this world, tempter, thief, accuser, evil one. This is just what he does. He is not, listen, the devil is not a little pudgy guy in a red outfit with a cape and a pitchfork. The, the devil is a terrifyingly powerful fallen archangel who hates you, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy anything good and anything God in your life, your kid's life, your marriage, your one-day marriage, your job, anything going on in your life. He wants to destroy it because his future is already destroyed, so he wants to destroy yours. And too many of us are pretending like he doesn't exist. So here's the deal, guys. You shouldn't be afraid of him, but you should be aware of him. In 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says, we shouldn't be naive to the enemy's schemes. You understand that, that the enemy has schemes. He has strategies. <laughs> That's the idea, right? Like he has ideas. He has plans for you. God has plans to give you a hope and a future. The enemy has plans to steal and kill and destroy. And you can't pretend like he doesn't. So here's the question, what are some of his schemes? And we see it here in Matthew 4, right? What goes on with Jesus? Here's one of the enemy's schemes, is the enemy loves to attack right after you receive something from God. Right after you receive something from God. So right after Jesus' baptism, when the Father says, this is my son whom I love, and him I am well pleased, the next word is then. Then the enemy comes to attack. Why? Because the enemy loves to steal things as soon as you receive them. So you know what that means? Get ready for the drive home. Get ready for tonight. Get ready for tomorrow morning. Because the enemy, this is what he loves to do. The enemy loves to steal the seed before it can take root and grow. Because the enemy is terrified of what God wants to do in your life. So he wants to kill it when it's young. So you're gonna receive a word, you're gonna write it down, you're never gonna look at it again, the enemy's gonna come in and attack and you're gonna start doubting, oh, that was, that was trash, that was no good, that doesn't really apply to me, it applies to everybody else. Who do I think that I am? I know all the sins that I've done, man, I'm no good. Why do I even go to church? That's what's going to happen. And some of you are like, that's my life. This is why we have to be aware of the enemy's schemes because you need to know you're not the only one. 
it happens to every single one of us in our own way. Because the enemy doesn't just hate me, he hates you. And he hates you and he hates you and he hates you. The enemy has schemes and we need to be aware that he loves to snatch what God is doing as soon as it starts. What's the other thing that the enemy loves to do? The enemy loves to attack when you're tired and hungry. And if you're tired and hungry, forget it. <laughs> right? Matthew 4, 2, right? What, what does it say? After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry and then the tempter came to him. The devil loves to attack when you're tired and you're hungry. Jesus had literal hunger, all right? Here's the deal. Maybe you haven't read your Bible in a little bit and your spirit is hungry. Maybe you and your spouse have been fighting a lot lately and so y'all haven't been intimate in a minute and your body's hungry. You better look out because there's an enemy lurking, watching, prowling. Maybe you've been working a lot of overtime at work and so you're just tired and you're worn out. Here's the deal. The enemy loves to propose something to fill that hunger. The enemy loves to propose something to soothe that weariness. Oh, you're tired. You've been working a lot. You deserve this. Oh, you're, you're, you haven't been able to be intimate with your spouse. You know, you know you're the innocent one. That's really on them. You deserve this. It's just one click away. Come on, somebody. And here's the idea. Every temptation from the enemy is an invitation to give him access into our hearts and our identity. Every single temptation is an invitation for him to come in and twist what God says about you. And we have to be aware of that because you're not the only one. You're not the only one that when you sin or when you look or when your heart get pulled, that automatically those voices come in. You're not the only one because this is how the enemy works. And today God wants to shine light on that so you can be aware of his scheme, so you can be alert to them. See, there's a reason why identity theft schemes are called phishing, P-H, phishing. Right? Here's what they do. Here's what the identity theft schemes do. They start sending out emails. They start making random phone calls, sending out texts, right? To seeing which one you'll bite on. Come on, somebody, think about it like this. There's a reason why it's called phishing, because there's a lot of different types of bait that are thrown out. And different bait works on different people. Which one are you gonna choose? Because here's the problem. It's not temptation if it's not tempting. Right? You can't be like, I, don't, I, I, I would never give in to that temptation. Well, that means it's not tempting to you, right? Listen, I, I, I've never been tempted to eat too much sushi because I don't like sushi, right? It's not, but maybe you have a problem with gluttony with sushi. I don't know, but that's not bait that I want to bite. But the enemy knows the type of bait that you like to bite, and that's why he's throwing it out. And here's the problem. There comes a point when he knows the bait that you like to bite that he doesn't even throw the other bait because he already knows the one that works. It's easy fishing, man. Come on, some of y'all are fishermen. You know how to get trout to bite. I'm not gonna use those other ones. I'm gonna use this one. I need some bass. Okay, then I'm gonna use this one. Come on, the enemy knows what type of bait you like to bite. Here's the question. Here's the question. What is the bait that the enemy knows that you're gonna bite? What is the identity theft scheme that we keep falling into again and again and again and again and again? What, it, what, is, what is that thing that's not even difficult for the enemy to get you to believe anymore? Because we've done it so many times. 
we have to be alert to the fact that you're not the only one, that that is a coordinated attack, that that is just what the enemy does. You know, when this whole gas craziness happened, right? The shortage, um, I did what every single one of us did. I Googled it because I didn't know what was happening. And like you, I found out there's Colonial Pipeline, which is basically terrifying to me because it means there's this gigantic pipeline probably under our feet right now, sending millions of gallons of gas from Houston to the East Coast, right? Um, And what it did, it got hacked by hackers with this thing called ransomware. And maybe this last week, it was the first time you ever heard that phrase, ransomware. Here's here's what ransomware is. Ransomware is a type of malicious software designed to block access to, hold hostage, and scramble computer system data until a sum of money is paid. Let me boil it down. This is where the, the guys send out these emails and they get one dude to click the link. And when he clicks the link, not just his computer, but the whole company's computer gets a giant lock put on it where everything's still there, but they can't access it until a ransom is paid to the one who now owns that information. Ain't that just like the devil? Come on, since the very beginning, the devil has been fishing, trying to see what we're gonna bite at, what we're gonna click on, what we're gonna take into our life. And when we take the bait, it's like our identity gets a big lock put on it where we come in on Sunday mornings and we hear the truth, we sing the songs, we feel great, but it feels like there's a disconnect between what is really ours and what we're actually living in. But thank God the ransom has been paid by the blood of Jesus. Christ, it's been unlocked, and now we have access back to what is ours. Come on, so that Monday through Saturday, you can be everything that God says that you can be in Christ Jesus. Then no longer can the enemy separate you from the love of God. No longer can the enemy separate you from what God says about you, because the ransom has already been paid. But we gotta understand, guys, and we gotta be alert that we do have an enemy who's fishing. We do have an enemy who's prowling. We can't be naive to that. That is real and that is life. Here's the second thing we have to do. We have to be alert and then we have to be prepared. We have to be prepared. Here's what I love that Jesus shows us, okay? is that when the devil shows up and starts poking at Jesus's identity, what is Jesus's response every single time? It is written, right? Okay, here it is, Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answered, Jesus answered the devil this. When, when the devil said, you know, you should do this, the, Jesus answered, ah, oh gosh, there was one time on Sunday and, and oh gosh, Pastor Johnson was preaching. He said the thing, oh, it was so good. Oh, I wrote it in my phone, but I don't know where that note is. Ah, I gotta Google it. I gotta, I gotta go. No, it, it, Jesus had it like, Come on, he had it like right there. Because Jesus knows the enemy's schemes. He knows how the enemy's gonna attack. You better know how the enemy attacks you so you have the response. Okay, so he says, nah, man, it is written. See, Jesus knew the Bible. Jesus kind of is the Bible in you know, a weird way. But because Deuteronomy 8.3, he says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth. It's like Jesus was quoting scripture. 
Jesus knew the scripture. Jesus knew the response. Jesus knew the truth to every lie of the enemy. And so Jesus could respond. And Jesus was prepared when the enemy attacked because he knew that the lion was lurking in the grass, waiting and watching. You know, I, I heard this said one time that when, um, when a dude jumps you in the alley, you can't be like, oh, oh man, time out, time out. You, you really got me. Woo! Woo! I didn't see it coming. Like, kudos, man. You, bit, you were way more prepared than I was for this one. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. I just got to be honest. I'm not ready for this. So like, here's what I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go take some judo. I'm going to go take a little bit of karate, a little bit of MMA, a little bit of firearm training. Like, all right, let's do this like, like 18 months. Okay, same bat time, same bat channel. We'll just meet right back here. And then, then nah, man. When the enemy attacks, you better be ready. You're either ready or you're not ready when the enemy attacks. And when the enemy attacks, you better be prepared. You be, and so here's the question. How can we be prepared when the enemy attacks? Second Corinthians 10 says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Come on, Jesus. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish strongholds in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Do you know that you are not a passive victim to every wicked thought and every wrong imagination that would come into your mind? Do you understand that? You are not a victim to that. Why? Because now the enemy's on your turf. Listen, he may be doing some craziness out there, but listen, you just stepped into a space that belongs to Jesus. And so you don't own this head. You don't own this mind. You don't own this heart, devil. I have authority over what happens in here. And the way we get prepared to fight the fight is we have to know the truth. We have to know the scripture. And then we proclaim it with the boldness and the authority that comes from the resurrected savior, Jesus Christ. This is called spiritual warfare. I don't know how you grew up. I don't know what you heard, but you are not a victim to every thought that comes in your head. You have power in the name of Jesus Christ to demolish strongholds. You have power to come against anything that's coming against you, and you will have the victory in Jesus' name. That is true over your life. So how do we do that? Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Paul says a final word, be strong. Everybody say, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Listen, his mighty power. Here's what we need to know. You can pause that right there. You don't have mighty power. Your weapons are too small, right? Your power is too weak. The Christian life is impossible to live in your own power. But, everybody say but. But if you use his mighty power, then no weapon formed against you will prosper. So be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies. There it is, the strategies, the schemes of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Anybody ever experienced the time of evil? 
Woo-hoo-hoo. This is the one you didn't see coming. Listen, the devil's not like three, two, what? No, man, it's guerrilla warfare. Surprise attacks. It's the thing you didn't even see coming. It's when you, when you go into work tomorrow and then you get laid off. It's when your mom tells you, hey, I wish you had never been born. It's just been rough. It's, it's, it's when your spouse says something that's devastating. It's when your kid says something, you're like, I would never say that. It's when that terrible sexual abuse happens. And what happens is this, there's one layer where the event itself is terrible, but then what happens right behind that, what the enemy does, he attaches a message to that event. See, you're not a good provider. You're damaged goods. Nobody wants you. Nobody loves you. Nobody will ever want you. Nobody will ever love you. And what happens is if you're not ready, oh, woe is me. But if you put on God's armor, come on, if you put on God's armor, then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. What it says right here is whether or not you're standing firm after the battle, Depends on whether or not you were wearing your armor during the battle, all right? So what should we do to stand firm? Stand your ground, putting on, here's the armor of God, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil and put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. So the bad news is we're all in a war. The good news is you have everything you could ever need to win that war. Everything, everything. You have the armor, you have the sword, so that you can still be standing firm on the other side of the war. But here's the idea, guys. Here's it. You gotta hear this. God has given us the armor, but he will not put it on us. Say it again. God has given us the armor, but he will not put it on us. You can sit here all day long in church, and you can hear about the armor, but that does not put it on you. Well, see, here, I've, heard, I've heard a story, <laughs> heard a story this week of, of, of a grandma um, who every time she got in the car would put on her seatbelt and say, today, right now, I put on the breastplate of righteousness that I am safe as I drive my car. I'm sorry, that's not how it works. If, if you do that, God bless you. Mm. <laughs> you talking about the armor isn't putting on the armor. Does that make sense? Like I can be like, I can have a bulletproof vest right here and be like, I have a bulletproof vest, so I am safe against attack. Do, 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 do. Well, I have a bulletproof vest, uh, right? Put it on. You have to put it on. Tie it on yourself. That's how you begin. So here's the deal. I want to give you, I want to give you how, what it looks like to be prepared when the attack comes. Right? Because, because how do I, when the attack comes, what does it look like to demolish strongholds? What does it look like to take every thought captive and bring it into submission to the obedience of Christ? Like, what does that look like in the day-to-day? So one of my friends, um, he, he is under constant torment. Maybe you're watching today. He's under constant torment of, of condemnation. You're not good enough. God doesn't love you. And when you die, you're probably going to hell. But he's put his faith in Christ. 
He's under constant torment. And so if that's me, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna step into the place of prayer and I'm gonna say, God, that is a lie from the pit of hell. So get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written in Galatians 3.26 that I am a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It is written in John 3.16 that when I put my faith on Jesus that I will never perish, but I will have everlasting life. 1 John 4.18, it is written that perfect love cast out all fear. And so right now, God, I put on the helmet of salvation. I am secure in who you say that I am, that I am born again in Jesus' name. Because I know that if the enemy can get in and make me question my salvation, then everything will fall. But I am secure and nobody can steal me away from you, God, because I am born again in Jesus' name. My thoughts are protected. I am a child of God in Jesus' name and you love your kids and you'll never forsake them. Amen. Amen. And I bring those thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ and say, God, I can't win this fight, but you can win this fight. And so I use the authority in Jesus name. I quote the scripture. I quote the truth over this lie of the enemy to the woman, maybe who, who this last week, she messaged me and she said when she was 12, her mom told her that she wished she had had an abortion. To that, I go into the place of prayer and I say, God, it is written in Isaiah 49, 16 that, that, that you say, can a mother forget the child she's nursing? Can a mother forget the child of her womb? Even if she can forget, God says, I will never forget you, for I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. And so God, I thank you right now that when the nails were put into the hands of Jesus, I was put into the hands of Jesus, that my mom may not want me, but you've always wanted me. And Psalm 139 says that you knit me together in my mother's womb, that my mom didn't put me together, my dad didn't put me together, natural order didn't put me together. God assembled me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made by a loving father. So right now, God, I hold that up as a shield of faith so that when the enemy sends the fiery darts of you're not wanted, you're not loved, I can say, I am wanted and I am loved, maybe not by earth, but by heaven. And that matters intimately more. May God be true and every man be a liar in Jesus' name, amen. To the ones out here struggling with condemnation, You've done too much. God could never love you. You've done too much. What I do, I go into the place of prayer and say, God, this is my prayer. This is literally what I do. God, I may have sinned, but I am not a sinner because I've been made new in Jesus' name. My identity is not sinner. Now my identity is saint. And it is written, Ephesians 1, 4, that, that even before you made the world, you loved me and chose me in Christ to be holy and without fault in your eyes. And so right now, I put on the body armor of righteousness in Jesus' name, that it's not my righteousness that I live, it is Jesus's righteousness. That even though I fall seven times by God's grace as I repent, you help me back up to my feet to live the life and the calling that you have called me to live. And I will keep and set my face like flint, and I will keep on running the race that you have set before me. And I will not let the enemy come against me, Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Come on, you gotta know the truth. 
Philippians 1.6 says that the one who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. So as the enemy attacks you and says, you're not growing, you can never get there. No, man, the one who started the good work in me, I'm not the one who carries it to completion. He is, and I trust my life to him. And here's what we have to know. Listen, for every lie of the enemy, God has a better truth. For every lie of the enemy, God has a better truth. So what is the truth that demolishes that lie? That as he fishes, even if you take that bite, you're able to stand back up and say, it's not by my righteousness, it is by God's righteousness. And I'm able to keep on the track that God has for me. I have to know it. Listen, I have to take those scriptures, the ones that they are for me. I have to write them down. You need to put them in your, your notepad on your phone. Some, what I used to do, I actually used to write them on a sticky note and put them on my bathroom mirror so that I could be reminded of God's truth over my life. So what are the attacks that the enemy's coming at you with? And how can I stand strong even on the other side of the battle? I have to be alert. I have to be prepared. Finally, I have to be secure. I have to be secure. This is is as simple, as foundational as it gets. I was reading a a really popular book that that a number of you have probably read. Um, Not not really a Christian book, um, just recently over the last few weeks. And the author, what she says is the way out of shame, the way out of condemnation, the way out of the, the, the issues of our past is to believe that we're worthy. And I was like, oh, this is great. But then as she starts to unpack that, she's saying the way that you know that you're worthy is you say that you're worthy. And the whole book was like Oprah. You know what I'm saying? Like, sorry, Oprah, if you're watching, which I'm sure you are. Um, Don't mean to knock your philosophy. But uh, (laughs) uh, probably the one time she is, hey, 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 hey. Listen, and, and, and as I'm reading it, I'm like, no wonder this author is riding the roller coaster of emotions. And she goes on national speaking tours and she sold tens of millions of books. And in, she, in her book, she writes about how one negative review can send her down the toilet. And I'm like, I know why. Because your worth is based on your words, not on God's words. And you have to have something stronger than positive self-talk. Come on, somebody. This isn't me looking in the mirror. You're good. You're strong. Gosh darn it, people like you. Like, it is not that. I have to have stronger, something stronger. I have to have something with capital, like capital T truth. Right? Or else anything's going to set me off. And here's some capital T truth. Jesus says this in John 10. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And listen, no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. That is so comforting. We are secure in God. Jesus will never lose you and the devil can never steal you. You're in Jesus' hand and Jesus is in the Father's hand. You are strong. You are secure in Jesus. Colossians 3 says it just another way. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Wow. 
Listen, your life is hidden in Jesus and Jesus is hidden in the Father. That means, listen to me, that means at the end of the day, the only way that the devil can take you back is if he defeats Yahweh. Let me just assure you, if you didn't know how this works, he can't. I've read the end of the book. I know that the enemy of our souls, the lion that's crouching in the grass, I know the evil fisherman who's throwing out bait one day is thrown into the lake of fire and he is no longer. Your life is hidden in Jesus and Jesus is hidden in the Father. You are safe, you are supported, you are loved, you are protected, and you are secure. And that becomes the place that I live from, not the place I live for. Listen, listen. What would your life look like? How much would your life change if you woke up every single morning knowing beyond knowing that your life is hidden with Christ in God. And you walked around alert, you walked around prepared for whatever attacks may come, but you knew the foundation of it all is that I am beyond secure and no one will ever snatch me out of his hand. If we lived like that, we wouldn't have to put on a church face anymore because that's just who we would be. Victory. Let's be those people. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's bow our heads, let's bow our heads. Father, I know this, I know that while this is incredibly comforting, while this is incredibly good news, it's true, it's capital T, it's true to many of us. God, there's also some of us in here who are haunted by our sins, we're haunted by condemnation, that the enemy right now, right now is in overdrive trying to tell us we're not worthy of this. Some of you, you have never cast your cares on Jesus, you've never cast your sins on Jesus, you never allowed him to take those things at the cross, he already has, but you're still carrying them too. And right now, he invites you in to lay those things down, to be completely forgiven, to be completely free. And I know some of you are like, that, that's, that's just too good to be true. That's why it's called the gospel, which means good news. I have good news for you today. Through faith in Jesus Christ, through repentance of your sins, everything we've talked about today is available to you, not one day, but today. And so here's what I wanna do. I wanna open that up to you. I wanna open that door up to you. And some of you just need to say, today's the day I need to say that he is God and I am not. Repent of my sins and go his way. And if you, today's the day you're gonna say yes to Jesus, I invite you to pray with me, family of God around you. We're gonna pray this together online. We're gonna pray this together. Let's pray like this. Say, Jesus Christ, you are God and I am not. You went to the cross to pay for my sins. And on the third day, you rose again. So right now, I turn from my path and I repent. I leave my sin behind 
and I come to you. I thank you today that as I trust you, as I put my faith in you, and I say that you are my Lord, you are my God, you are my Savior, that right now I am a child of God. (laughs) I am secure. I am wanted and loved. I am free and I am secure in Jesus' name. I am clean, I am holy, and today you call me your child and I can call you my father. In Jesus' name, thank you for making me new. Amen. And right now, Father, I pray over your people and I know this, God, I know this, that the enemy's working overtime with this thing called ransomware in our lives to try and get us to take a bite and try and separate us from who that you say that we are. But God, I thank you by the power, the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been ransomed and our identity is now back available to us. And so we grab a hold of it today, God. We say this, that we are who you say we are and we can do what you said that we can do. And God, I thank you even right here at Victory that you are raising up an army of people who don't, just, who don't just come into church on a Sunday morning and get, get, get really pumped up for the gospel, but God, we actually live it out Monday through Saturday. God, that even today as we leave here, God, we're gonna be messengers and carriers of the good news of Jesus Christ. God, that we're not gonna have to wear a church face any longer because what you see is what you get. I am secure and I am confident in who God says that I am. <laughs> And we're gonna live such lives that we submit to God, resist the devil, and he must flee. And so God, right now, I just just speak that over this household. God, we submit to God, we resist the devil, and we tell you, devil, you must flee in Jesus' name. That we are who God says that we are, and we can do what God says that we can do. And I love this there at the end of Matthew 4, right? Right after the tempting, when Jesus says, devil, leave me, quotes the truth. What it says is this, is that the devil left him and angels came and ministered to him. And so God, right now we invite that ministering, God, for you to send ministering angels into this space. God, for for your truth to be imparted into us in a very specific way, that's what I pray for. Let every single one of us, let's pray that. God, just, just speak your truth to me over these next few minutes, in Jesus' name. So what we're gonna do, guys, is that the band's gonna lead us in just a few minutes of worship. And I wanna give us an opportunity for God to minister to us about who we are, about what he says about us so that we can leave here knowing we don't have to leave it in the room, but we can live it out 24-7 for the rest of our lives. And so some of you, you may need to stay seating. Some of you may wanna stand up and lift your hands. Some of you may wanna get on your knees. Whatever that is, get in a posture where you're able to receive from God that you are who he says you are. And you can do everything that he said you can do in Jesus' name.